0: of their life. I hope you've enjoyed our summer series. Um this is the next couple times we'll be wrapping up the summer series, but this will be the last challenge, I guess if you will, the last topic we deal with, which um in this series called Limitless, as we take um these topics um, that most people will say will increase their life on this earth, make them happy <clears throat> And we've taken these topics from this uh, this documentary series, um, from the television series, and we've heard what the Word of God has to say about these important topics in our culture: stress and anxiety, st- shock and adversity, fasting, strength and endurance, memory and meditation. And today we'll talk about aging and death. Right. <laughs> Yeah, exciting topic to talk about today aging and death. Each of these topics, we've challenged ourselves to try and accomplish a test in areas which we as Christians need to wrestle with. As we wrestle in this flesh, in this world, in the power of the Spirit, seeking to live a life worthy of the gospel. And thus put on our lenses of eternity, lenses of the gospel, so that we can live not just for the here and now, but for eternity. The challenges we faced in this, this series this summer, some of them have been crazy, some of them have been easier, but they've been praying for eight hours, swimming in a lake in February, running a sprint triathlon fasting for four days, memorizing the book of Titus. And this morning, what we were trying or attempting to do was to interview some of those who are aging or facing death and allow them to speak into our life. Now, if you watch the documentary, Limitless, with Chris Hemsworth, your heart is broken Because in all of these questions, with strength and endurance and anxiety and adversity, there's a lot of questions but not really a whole lot of answers. Specifically dealing with aging and death. In the documentary, it breaks your heart because a lot of questions are raised with no answers. And the greatest question that seemingly has no answers from a world's perspective is aging and death. After we did a quick calculation, it is an undisputed fact that out of the 8,051,167,100 approximate people on the face of the earth right now, 100% will die. I repeat that. 100% of mankind on the face of the earth in an undisputed fact will die. That means every person in this room will breathe their last at some point. Man, Rob, that's pretty morbid, right? Like, Come on, man, you're coming off Falls Creek. That's pretty morbid. But let's talk truth, okay? People can get lifts and cuts and pacemakers and diets. They can have as many anti-aging creams as they want. They can use as many exercises and yoga poses. And yet, at some point, breath will not enter into their lungs. Somebody has to talk about it, right? Why not your pastor? So let's talk about this issue. You see, the challenge for us, for this, um, this topic, was to interview some of those in the church who were aging or closer to death and talk about it with them. So two of the people we were thinking about asking, or we did choose for this, um, we did get a chance to talk to. But because of their health and the circumstances involved, I didn't. I didn't feel comfortable turning on the camera. Just to be honest with you, but their stories they will live on through what they said to me, and it will encourage you this morning to live for eternity. The two people when we began planning for this back in in January were Debbie Baker and Reagan Bradford. Since both of them have. Gone to be with the Lord since then. Debbie, in her final few years of her life, battled ALS, a very debilitating disease. And Reagan served in the church for 63 years. And in in humility was still serving the church at 91 years of age. So at the end of Debbie's life, She couldn't move her extremities, so she couldn't stand and even needed a help to give you a hug. But what she could do was she could talk. Sometimes through a microphone just to, to, to make it a little bit louder so that you could hear. But talk, she could do that. And you would go by visiting this lady, Debbie. And thinking to yourself, man, I'm here to encourage her. This is so hard. And by the time you left, you thought, man, I'm the one that needed the help. She was just so encouraging to me in her final weeks and months. I can remember one of the last times um, I was with her. Uh, it was Jordan, David, and myself, and, and Jim, her husband, And I said something to the effect of, Debbie, sometimes you don't know if if you push too far on these questions or not, but I wanted to ask the question uh, because I wanted to know it for myself. But I asked Debbie, are you angry? Are you angry or are you bitter at the Lord because of your disease? And she said to me, how could I be angry or bitter? This is nothing compared to what my Savior suffered from me. I can remember one of the first visits I had with Debbie. After she was diagnosed with ALS, she had a book out on her shelf right next to her, on the table right next to her, that you could tell she'd been reading. And it was entitled Suffering colon, Gospel Hope. When Life Doesn't Make Sense by Paul David Tripp. This was her outlook. and I, I will never forget how she walked through her last days with a song in her heart and a joy unspeakable with a gospel hope when life doesn't make sense. You see, she thought daily about aging and death because she was experiencing that at a rapid pace. And yet, she had her mind on eternal things. One day when I visited her, she she said, I have these cards. She fanned out a bunch of cards, and we have a card for you this morning, so don't leave without one. But she fanned out these cards, and she said, I have these cards. They're called God Thought Cards. They have a thought on the front and on the back, they have a scripture and it's for you. I want you to choose one. I want you to read it aloud and I want you to allow God's word to impact your life where you are right now. So I chose the card and I read it and I needed to hear it that day, but I was blown away. I was blown away that she cared so much about me during her sickness and in her illness. And she said, here, I'm gonna give you this one, but I want to give you one more so that you can give this one away. Pretty soon, someone would stumble into my office that day. I could tell they needed some encouragement and I gave them a card. They began to cry as they read the card God's encouragement through his word into their specific story. And then I got to tell them about Debbie and how God was working through her. So at Debbie's funeral, we wanted to buy some of these cards to hand to people and tell Debbie's story of how she used these cards to impact people's life at the end of her life. And so I called the phone of God Thought Cards and on the other end was this nice lady named Heather and her son was Zachariah. He was actually the young man who painted these cards, their beautiful artistic cards. And Zachariah had cerebral palsy and yet God had gifted him with the ability to draw. So we became friends. Obviously, as we bought these cards and now we visited him a couple days ago. And God impacts people through his drawings. So I don't have a video of me interviewing Debbie or Reagan. But what I do have is a video of how God used Debbie at the end of her life through God thought cards and how Zachariah is using his gifts Just like Debbie's ability to talk for the glory of God. So you can roll that video. I didn't even think I am. They all have a message. And that message is anything you want to do, you can do when God is in control of it. Because He is in control of your life. And what you impacted my life in a, in a variety of ways, through Debbie and uh, what what God has done. It's been an incredible journey God takes us on, doesn't it? It's an incredible journey, but what I wanted you to see through that is what we're going to see in this passage this morning, which is while we're here on this earth, we're supposed to do work, Right? Zach Zach does work for the kingdom of God. Debbie did work for the kingdom of God up until her death. Reagan, we're going to talk about him later. He He did work for the kingdom of God. So let's get into the word this morning. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 through 58. So if you'll turn with me to the end of 1 Corinthians, what a great book that is. We'll pick that up this morning on what the resurrection has brought. It has brought victory, amen? So let's turn in our Bibles, if you'll stand with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50, and we'll see what Paul writes about our thought process and how we should think in light of aging and death because we know the resurrection's coming. Amen? So let's let's look at it together. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, Let's, let's be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your work and our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Thank you for giving us examples, even in our flock of people who work tirelessly for your kingdom and for your purposes, knowing that their work is not in vain. Lord, as we look forward to our inheritance in the kingdom of God, in our new bodies, which are promised in Jesus Christ, we thank you that you have given us a work to do. And we pray that we would accomplish that work as we look to our future inheritance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Christians, guess what Christians They don't fear death. They don't fear death. The early Christian church looked at death in the face and said, that's okay, I'm going to be home with the Lord. Persecuted Christians all over the world don't fear death. In fact, they look with focus and purpose beyond death, awaited their blessing, hope in Christ Jesus, the eternal life promised. In fact, did you know aging and death are reminders for us that this is not our home? Aging itself is God's Way of reminding us this ain't it. I hear amen. One sister gets it. (laughs) This ain't it. Even as hard as we try to stop the clock, aging itself shows us that sin has deteriorating effects and that creation groans. For the redemption of our bodies. Have you ever thought of it like that? Have you ever thought of aging and death as God's way to prepare us for yearning for heaven? Aging gets us ready to say this ain't it. It's that aging that shows us this is not our home. We're getting ready for eternity. Evelyn Harris Brand grew up in a well-to-do English family. She had studied at London Conservatory of Art and dressed in all the finest silks. But when she went with her husband to minister as missionaries in the Kohli Malay mountain range of India... After about 10 years, her husband died at age 44. And after a year's worth of recuperation in England, she returned and poured her life into the hill people until she was 95 years old. She lived in a portable hut, eight feet square, that could be taken down and moved. Her son Paul commented, that with wrinkles as deep and as extensive as any I have ever seen on a human face, she was a beautiful woman. But it was not the beauty of silk and heirlooms of London high society. For the last 20 years of her life, she refused to have a mirror in her house. (laughs) You see, she was consumed with ministry, not mirrors. See, it is the victory of Christ over death that drives us to the work of the Lord now. For that work is not in vain, brothers and sisters. It will be eternal. Chapter 15 is Paul's reminder to the church in Corinth that the gospel is true. The resurrection is true. Let's read verse 42 to get us ready for what God wants to say. Verse 42 in chapter 15. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in Power. The gospel raises us up even though we were dead in our transgressions and sins, even though we were dishonorable, even though we were perishable. God has now raised those who are in Christ to be imperishable, to be raised in glory, to be raised in power what was once weak. That is the Christian hope. And that leads us to the resurrected bodies, which we'll talk about in verse 50. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. This is point number one this morning, which is this, this perishable body will be given an imperishable body. This perishable body will be given an imperishable body. If we go on, it says this. I'm going to read it anyway. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we shall be Change for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. As Ryan said uh, last week or a few weeks ago, it seems the longer you go as a person, something breaks, right? A few weeks ago, it was Ryan's gallbladder that broke on him. But maybe it's a hip or a knee or, I don't know, whatever it is. The body declines. And it signals a need for a new body. One that will not perish. One that is imperishable. You see, the word that Paul uses is cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The the flesh and blood cannot inherit to gain possession of. You see in the Garden of Eden, the possession of the tree of life, the presence of God, eternity was removed from mankind. They were kicked out, why? So that they would not live forever in the state of corruption, in the state of sin. Listen to it Genesis chapter 3, verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. That would be a problem in his current state of sin and corruption, living forever would not be a good thing. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the Garden of Eden. He placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Because of man's sin and his corruption, and we will see that on and on and on and on. We will see that in our world today, the corruption of man, the depravity of man. Cain killing his first brother, Abel. Yes, it was evil, But we'll see it over and over and over and over again. The wickedness of man. God needs to transform mankind. His creation is wicked. What will he do? A complete new creation must occur. Let's wipe out the world. We'll leave Noah. He's righteous and his sons. No, no, he must have a transformation of the heart a complete new creation must occur for an individual to enter or have possession of the kingdom of god you see paul's first preference his first preference is to not die. That's his first preference. But to be alive when Christ returns. He says that in 2 Corinthians 5, 4. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened. Some of us are groaning right now. We're burdened down by our bodies. Not that we would be unclothed, But that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. What he's saying here is he hopes that Christ returns and that his immortal body in which Christ is going to give him just swallows up these these dry bones that 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 are failing him. He would prefer not to be unclothed in the sin he wants his old body to be swallowed up with the new body at the trumpet sound, at the coming of Christ. But he realizes this. He realizes that he, he cannot know when Christ will return. So he says later in 2 Corinthians 5, eight. yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So he's saying, in the meantime, I'm torn because I, I probably would just rather be with the Lord. Then wait on his return. But then he says something else. He's torn. If I go home and be with the Lord, I can't do the work that he's called me to do. So what am I going to (laughs) do? He says, uh, until the Lord calls me home, I'm going to work. Essentially, is what he says, Philippians 1.23. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for sticking around so that we can progress and joy in the faith. Thanks to our saints in this room for sticking around. This church, for instance, for our progress and joy in the faith. Amen? I'm serious. We got some super saints in this room. And praise God for you that you are here, that you are continuing the work of the gospel, that you're, that you're thinking about other people for their progress and their joy in the faith, their growth in the faith. You see, as Christ followers, we're always looking forward to the imperishable body that Christ will give to us. But we not only look forward to that, but we look back, right? To the finished work of Christ upon the cross and the victory over death. Through the resurrection of Jesus. So that's what Paul will do next. He will focus his attention. Instead of looking forward, he will look back to the cross and to the gospel. This is what he says in verse 54. Of looking back at the gospel. This is point number two this morning. Christ has given victory over death. Christ has given the victory over death. This is why Christians do not fear death. Praise be to God that death is not victorious. You see, for the wages of sin is death. What we earn. As a result of sin of mankind is death. The penalty for sin is death in the garden. And dust you shall return. But the son of God, he has come down from heaven and has died so that you could be resurrected. Amen? Amen. Brother back there is paying attention. I like that. It is ultimately the payment of sin upon the cross, this perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God, that gives you access, that gives you the internal life, that gives you the ability to eat from the tree of life. You see, death was not victorious. Because Christ was. We who are in Christ will be resurrected like Him. You see, the picture of baptism summarizes the victory in Jesus, right? You are dead and you're in your transgressors and sin. But Christ made you alive. Our identity is now found in Christ. We are now raised in him. It is in the hope of the resurrection that we call eternal life. You see, God's plan for new creations that are created in Christ Jesus, this is God's plan. Isaiah 25, 8 says this, he will swallow up death forever. This was the promise way back that Paul is pulling from, back from Isaiah, in this text right here, in verse 54 from Isaiah chapter 25 verse 8 he will swallow up death forever who will swallow up death forever God himself and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord God has spoken how will he do that He will do it through the cross of Christ, the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God who died in your place and then resurrected from the dead. You see, the Lord redeems, restores the brokenhearted, the sinner that was made in the image of God and restores them back into that image. Have you ever wondered why God resurrects this body? I mean, right? When this body uh, dies, he'll become dust of the earth, right? He'll go back into the earth and all sorts of stuff from biology happens that I didn't study. <clears throat> but why Why does he resurrect this body? Like, this, you know, this body has some issues, right? Like, and got got some issues with this body. The answer is because he created this body. The answer is this body was meant to glorify God. It is this body that Christ bought with a price. It is this body that the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit now dwells. You see, God is glorifying the work of Christ. Why? Because Christ paid for this body. So he's resurrecting and giving us new bodies, but it will be resurrected from the old body. Verse 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He quotes again another prophet, Old Testament prophet Hosea. Hosea 13 14. The sting of death is no longer there because just as a bee has left its stinger in its victim the sting of death was taken out in Christ upon the cross. Death for believers is no longer defeat but the victory because we await our resurrected bodies and the promise in Christ. You see, the stinger has been removed, which is sin. The law which showed our sin has been fulfilled in Christ. Christ has fulfilled it perfectly so that the standard of God's perfection was fulfilled in Christ And now you are given the inheritance through Jesus Christ. You see, it's the gospel in which we look backwards that gives us the hope for today. The righteous died for the unrighteous. All your sin, your shame, gone. Why? Because of the work of Christ Death, sin, the law, all been satisfied, and now you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. You are covered by the blood of Christ. You stand as one who can inherit the kingdom of God. That's how we begin this section. Someone cannot inherit the kingdom of God. How do we inherit? The kingdom of God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. I can remember going to New York City one time. Jordan and I went we were staying with some friends and he said, do you want to go to a concert? I said, I guess. I'm not sure if I want to go to a concert. Concert ended up being some like punk rock concert. I, I, I probably won't go back. But I said, I don't, I don't have tickets and I don't really want to purchase tickets. You know, we're good. And he's like, no, I, I got you. I'm like, all right, all right, whatever, man. And so a friend of mine, who works the concerts walks up to the door, I have no tickets i 'm thinking to myself, "This is not a good idea and my friend said they 're with me and we walked right in. <laughs> this is how it is with the Lord God Almighty. Christ says they're with." me the inheritance in the kingdom of god no they, they don't deserve that they don't they don't really have that they don't they don't really but they're with me so we look forward to our imperishable bodies we look backward to the victory in christ to see what we ought to do now and that's where paul finishes not only looking forward to the resurrected bodies, but looking backward to the gospel. What do we do now, church? What do we do? He tells us in verse 58. Therefore, because of the gospel behind us and the imperishable bodies that are promised for us, what do we do now? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. This is point number three. Therefore, work... For the Lord is not in vain. Your work for the Lord is not in vain. Remember I said earlier, Paul, he wanted to be at home with the Lord in his new body. But in the meantime, he knows there's a lot of work to do. Here's the message. The resurrection And the hope that we have in the future resurrection and the gospel in the past puts us to work now. The Bible describes the resurrection like a wedding feast where the the bridegroom is returning for his bride. He's coming for his bride. It's happening. The wedding feast is about to happen. The celebration is about to occur and the bride is getting ready for the wedding. That's how we are as a church, patiently waiting for Christ's return. And what do we do in the meantime before he returns? We prepare by doing the work. And in this preparation time, we work with joy knowing he is coming. You see the other person we were going to interview about aging and death was Reagan Bradford. He was 91 years old. He was actually nominated chairman of the deacons this year. He couldn't fulfill his duties cuz he's taking care of his wife but you see Reagan was a renowned medical researcher field of cholesterol. He had done a ton in his life from his secular career. He he had made enough money to retire and go off into the sunset. He had Done it all from a worldly perspective. And many would say Reagan probably spent too much of his time investing in the life of the local church. 63 years, in fact, at Northwest Baptist. Yet the word of God tells us Reagan's labor in this church was not in vain. You see, Reagan saw the good and the bad in the local church, right? Yet he was unwavering in his faith that God would continue the work, that the seeds that had been planted will come to fruition. You see, he was here in 1966 when the church building burnt to the ground the insurance would not cover the new building yet reagan was on that building team that began to plan and execute a plan to build this building that we have today you see god in his grace provided this beautiful structure he was there in 1998 he told me about this When an outside consultant said to the church that because of the changes in the community, you must move north or else you will die like all the other churches in your area have died. The church with Reagan on that team decided to stay and minister to the people surrounding 23rd and Drexel. Like I said this morning, we had a child. We had a youth come to Christ from Northwest Classen. And he only said, I know one believer. Reagan was there when the church had three pastors and multiple interims, so seven pastors in a five-year period from 2013 to 2018. Had to sell off some of the property out front here to survive its financial troubles. And yet he was unwavering in his faith that God would continue the work that he had invested in for 60 plus years of his life. And now God in his grace has allowed our church and our finance to be stable and our leadership to be stable these last five years. And we can say that Reagan and Connie's work in the kindergarten Sunday school class was not in vain. Church, we are to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing we can do a lot of things on this earth, but knowing the eternal investment we make is not in vain. You can take it to the bank. It will last. So my question is, what are you investing your life in? Will you abound in the work of the Lord? In a world in which the stock market goes up and down, inflation decreases the value of your money, the housing market goes up and down, increasing your value and decreasing your value. Material possessions that you own deteriorate and become rusty. Place your investment of your time and your resources into something that is not in vain. Look forward to the resurrection. Look backward to the gospel of Christ Jesus. And look to the now to invest your life in the work of the gospel. This is the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your work and what you're doing. We pray that we would understand aging and death is not some reason for us to become depressed. It's not some reason for us to be fearful. But it is to keep us on track to remind us of what, that which matters. Help us to focus our energy and our efforts on the truth of the gospel, on the words of God. Help us to see the work in front of us and be workers who are ready to plow the fields and plant the seeds of the word of God into the hearts of mankind. Father, help us to be unashamed investors in the kingdom. Help us to be joyous as we give to others. Help us to be a church, Father, that does not see aging as a sign of weakness, but as a sign that we are in preparation for a kingdom that is eternal. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Help us to be encouraged by it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'll stand with me, our worship team is gonna sing and we're gonna respond in light of the gospel in our own hearts and minds. So it's not a time for us to check out or think about what what restaurant we're going to. It's a time to worship the Lord and respond to the scriptures. So maybe God's calling you to start a ministry. Maybe God's calling you to focus your energy and your attention on making Christ first in your life. Maybe God's calling you to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and you need to be saved. And this is an opportunity for you to make a public decision that Christ is your Lord and Savior. He is first in your life. You're more than welcome to come down front this morning. Pray with one of our pastors. The altar is open for prayer. Let us worship together as the church, the people of God.